Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. The very best life has to offer is God himself and the simple pleasures that God gave way back in the Garden of Eden. I have a place to live. I have work to do and I have people to do it with. And you know what? Life doesn't get sweeter than that. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. So do you ever feel like you're meant for more? Or maybe there's a tension between wanting to do something great with your life while wanting to simply live a normal, ordinary life. I honestly think social media has increased this tension as we're exposed to more and more what I call that perfection infection, where we're comparing our insides to other people's outsides. And what I want you to know is that you are absolutely meant for something more, but the answer isn't to go bigger or smaller. So I've asked Kelly Needham to join me today to dig into this topic. Kelly and her husband, Jimmy, are the co-hosts of the podcast, Clearly, with Jimmy and Kelly Needham. Kelly's also the author of a book titled Purpose Fooled, Why Chasing Your Dreams, Finding Your Calling, and Reaching for Greatness Will Never Be Enough. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, Kelly. Thanks so much, Jill. I'm so happy to be here with you. Absolutely. So tell us just a little bit about yourself and your family. For uh, those that are listening that don't know you, where do you live? Tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah, uh, I live in Texas, born and raised here in the Dallas area now, and uh, grew up going to church, met Jesus in junior high in my awkward junior high years, and just couldn't get over the fact that God was real and wanted to know me and let me know Him, and that's kind of been the trajectory of my life since then. Uh, Got married at 20 years old while still in college, so that was a curveball I was not prepared for. Along with the curveball of my husband's music career, we went straight from graduation to touring the world while he was on stages singing and preaching the gospel. And uh, he's now a pastor at our church, so we're in a new season of life there. And now we have five children, uh, three of which are biological, two adopted from India. And uh, so our life is very busy of a different variety now. So <laughs> we're yeah. enjoying the fun uh, middle years of our, our kids. No one's a teenager yet. We're still in like imaginative world, you know, and so we're just soaking up the years we have right now. 
<laughs> Tell us a little bit about where we're at. My yeah. life's full of laundry. Let's be honest. I wrote a book, but my life is mostly full of laundry, lunches, and dirty dishes 90% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. I love that. And that is real life. Mm. So I'm an, an adoptive mother as well. So we have four mm. biological children, and then we adopted one from Russia. So um, we have walked awesome. that journey as well. How old are your adopted kids? Nine and four right now. Okay. Are they siblings mm -hmm. or? They're not. Okay. No, both, both from India, uh, different parts of India, but uh, brothers just by adoption. Gotcha. Wonderful. So let's talk a little bit about your story and your journey that would lead you to write a book about chasing your dreams, finding your calling, reaching for greatness, and the message that all of that will never be enough. What was your personal journey that made you passionate about this message? Mm -hmm. What was my, my own personal wrestling with these ideas and uh, that really was the genesis of this idea, of this content. I mentioned earlier that my husband toured and traveled for many years, and that was really where I began to ask these questions because uh, I now kind of found myself as a new wife in the behind-the-scenes world of a public ministry. So my husband is uh, a very godly man, loves the Lord, is on stages just with a, an evangelist heart, preaching the gospel, writing songs. People are coming to me every night telling me, my your husband has changed my life. And, you know, all I'm doing is running the merchandise table and booking travel. And I'm feeling like, man, I know I, I know that my role is important here, but it doesn't feel as significant. My tasks don't feel as meaningful. And I really felt uh, unsettled in that. And like, gosh, where, how can I get my hands on some ministry, you know, that matters. <laughs> and I, I didn't really wrestle with that until I was exposed to this world of, of public ministry. And then... Um, my life has had a lot of twists and turns since then, right? Motherhood has its own seasons of, of hidden work behind the scenes. And I had seasons of ministry in churches. And so in, in doing the shifts in and out of all of that and realizing, man, this doesn't feel right that I certain tasks feel really meaningful and certain ones feel meaningless. Uh, so I began to ask questions about that to the Lord, began to search his word. Like, how, how can I even think about this topic. And it was really in doing that, that I began to find a lot of freedom myself. My life began, as I began to see what the Bible has to say about this, my life began to explode with purpose in every place and in every season and in every task. And I began to find freedom and rest and relief from kind of that constant sense of, oh, if I could just get over that next till, that next season, that next thing. And what's interesting is I, I actually so believe the message of this book that I, I don't actually have to do anything big to, to feel purpose that I, I really actually hesitated to write the book. I was like, well, I don't need to, I can write that book whenever. It was actually through the encouragement of community and uh, through some people pushing me to go, you found so much freedom from these truths. Why not share these truths with others so they can find the same freedom? Uh, and yeah. that was really the motivation behind the book was, I want people to feel that uh, sense of freedom and relief and purpose every time, at every moment of their life, not just when I accomplish, when I achieve, when I get there, when I can do that. Yeah. No, you can have purpose right now. That's the good news. And yeah, so that's, 
it's a very personal journey for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm thinking that I really wish that this book had existed about 15 years ago when my my husband was struggling with this. Mm-hmm. So I had a very public growing ministry and he was the one at the book table and yeah. really struggling with that, which ultimately that led to a midlife crisis mm-hmm. and he went down a deep hole. And now he has found what you have found, but boy, it, it Mm -hmm. was hard. It really was. What do you think made the biggest difference for you as you walked through that journey? Um, I began to take all of my feelings about this to God. And I think that helped. Uh, That was kind of the beginning, I think, of true transformation, that my prayer life became more honest. So Mm -hmm. a lot of my prayers did sound like, God, I feel like a second class person in this ministry. I actually have, I I feel passionate about preaching gospel too. Lord, I I want uh, to make an impact in these ways. And I feel like you've benched me. (laughs) You just put me over here on the waiting bench. It's not your turn yet. You know, so I just started to get more vocal about what I really felt in my heart because um, I, and I felt more freedom, freedom to do that because I really did want God to speak into it. And I really desired yeah. for his perspective and it moved from less of a demanding place, which it was at first, like, God, give me, give me what I want into like, it can't be, there has to be a, something that I'm missing um, mm-hmm. in this equation. And so I just began in honesty to bring my real thoughts to him. And he began to meet me in that, you know, there was one moment in particular, I was at a concert, the normal thing, right? I'm standing at the signing line. People don't really even know who I am. They were asking me to take pictures of my husband with them and sell them a t-shirt and just the little drip of, of, you know, statements are being made at me. You know, he's changed my life. You must be so lucky to be married to him, all this. And I just remember my heart saying, Lord, I just, I feel like I have this unique gift of encouragement. I want to encourage people. And I remember feeling in my heart, like he responded with, what's stopping you? There are people around you right now. And it was like, oh, okay. And I just began this new type of conversation with him. And I was backstage later that same day in the green room. And there was a caterer there setting up. And it was like, here's somebody right here who's not a believer who's been hired by this venue to bring. And I ended up in a conversation with this woman backstage. I mean, it was like, I felt the pleasure of God in that moment of nothing stopping you from ministry, uh, a yes. stage or not a stage, like doesn't change that I have put you in a specific place at a specific time with specific passions. Do it, go live it out. Stop waiting for an audience. And uh, it, again, that honest conversation with him and a willingness to hear back from him things began to shift. Oh, I love that. And you know what you're really describing too is how often we get tunnel vision. Like Mm -hmm. we really do. It's like, we're like, Lord, I want to do this. And, and we can only imagine it happening one way as if our Mm -hmm. head is like turned to the left and we keep looking for it over to the left and the whole time it's over to the right, but our, we're turned away from it. We we're not Mm -hmm. seeing it. And so I love how, a, you took your aunt. I think sometimes we're afraid to be that honest with God mm-hmm. because yeah. it it's really kind of revealing the ugliness in our heart mm-hmm. or it's, you know, but he so wants, I mean, it's not yes. news to him. 
That's right. <laughs> he knows already. <laughs> he does. He's just waiting for us to admit it and then yep. to lay it at his feet and to, and to uh, bring it to him. And then our heart is open for those moments where he whispers back, go right ahead. You, mm -hmm. you have an opportunity right here and right now. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, and, and the world speaks that it is, um, the world really sends a message, I think. And I know, you know, I mentioned in the opening, social media plays into mm -hmm. this. I think it really does. It has this message that life needs to be big. It needs to be perfect. It needs, you know, how do you feel like social media affects our journey with this kind of wrestling? Yeah. I think it affects it uh, a lot. I think it's a big part of the equation for a lot of people. You know, my to my journey began with wrestling with this as I was put in this physical location of my husband is on a stage and I'm seeing the effects of that. And that was before social media. So I'm old enough that that was like maybe Facebook existed, but like it not how it is today. Now, I think many people are facing that same crisis because of social media, because I was fine before that. Now, there were obviously still issues in my heart, but I felt fine before that. It was by comparison of being put next to him in this public ministry space that I began to go, wait a minute, is what I'm doing that important? So now social media, I think, is doing that for all of us. It's putting in front of our faces people doing, and quote, important things, uh, look things that seem meaningful, that seem really impactful. And so by nature of just being exposed to it at a higher rate, we begin to ask ourselves, wait a minute, what I'm doing, what my 90% of my life is, is not anything I'm seeing on social media because nobody posts pictures of their dirty laundry and nobody posts pictures of the kids' lunchboxes that are all gross that I have to clean out. And no one posts pictures of their bills that they're having to sit on the phone with the insurance company to work through. These are all things I did this week. So I'm referencing my own life, but those things are not what I'm seeing on social media. Right. And so because of that, the things that are celebrated culturally, we tend to go, oh, that's what I need to do to find importance. And it's, it's telling us a narrative about what yes. matters, what's significant, what's important. And the more that we stay on it, the more we tend to devalue the things, the tasks right in front of us because we don't see them celebrated. And the more that we tend to chase after and gravitate toward those other ones. And that's a very, no one he hearing that should feel condemned. That's a very human, natural instinct. What you look at is where you will gravitate. Uh, but again, that's why we have to be careful. And kind of, for me, it takes me uh, shepherding my own imagination a little bit more. Like sometimes mm. if I am on social media, because I don't think it's a sin to be on social media, and I am, and I can tell that I, I'm starting that, that process is starting in my mind of uh, a value systems being created. I'll turn it off and I'll just have a moment to just think and ponder, God, it says your eyes search to and fro across the earth, looking for whose hearts are devoted to you. Who's who are you looking at right now? As you look down on the earth, who in this world are you impressed by? Who are you maybe calling the angels over and going, look at this, look at this. And I'll just let my mind wonder about that. Is it, you know, a woman uh, in Nepal who is a believer who's bedridden and just interceding for her community and praying. You may be yeah. looking at that and going, yes, that's impressive. Or it might be a, a teenager going to school somewhere in the States who really is fighting sexual temptation with all their might. And you're looking at that in it, that hidden battle going, 
I love that. And even just pondering that for a moment will help me to go, all right, I want to be accounted among that group of people. I don't want to be impressive to the world. I want to be impressive to you. And of course, we know it's really only Christ in us that impresses him. But I, I want that awakens in me kind of that desire to go, all right, this is what you set before me today would help yeah. me do it with all my might working yeah. for you, not for men. And uh, I have to, again, that social media, I have to set it aside, retake my imagination, shepherd it a little bit better. <laughs> and, and that helps me walk things out. But if we don't do that, man. Yeah. Um, I love that phrasing, I have to shepherd my own imagination. So much is about self-leadership. I mean, it's God leadership, but it Mm -hmm. is us recognizing that we can push our thinking in a different direction, that we Mm -hmm. can make different choices, um, that, you know, we have, like one of the things I talk about in my uh, you know, I have three no more perfect books, no more perfect moms, no more perfect kids, no more perfect marriages. And one of the things I talk about is that when we start to compare, what we need to do is we need to bring ourselves back to reality and we need to say, she has pain in her life, mm-hmm. just like I do. She has struggles just like I do. And when we do that, it pulls us back from that ledge of comparison and plants us on the firm foundation of reality. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you're talking about is that you really are intentionally leading yourself. So one of the things that you say is that there are four key longings of the human heart. What are those and why are they important for us to understand? Yeah, Um, these are longings I see in myself and all that wrestling. This is kind of what was bubbling up to the surface. It was, I want to do something great. I want to do great things. I want to be seen. I want to make an impact and I want something unique to do. Uh, Those were things that just continued to bubble up to the surface. I want to be seen. I want to be do great things. I want to make an impact. I want something unique to do. And as I began to take those to the Lord and again, search the word, uh, it was becoming clear to me, those actually weren't wrong longings. I was actually just trying to get them fulfilled the wrong way. But those are all things I think you see even in the earliest pages of the Bible, something that God has put into the human heart. And the reason it's important to be aware of those longings is they're guiding you whether you're aware of them or not. (laughs) Those desires are in the human heart. They are motivating you and pushing you in certain directions, uh, causing you to value certain things over others. Social media is a great example. We want to be seen. That's a human desire. Social media gives us an easy, quick access to that, to like just post our life on there, and then we can get automatically seen and even get statistics back about how many people have seen it and what they feel about it. So, if we're not careful, those those desires will uh, push us into fulfilling them in unhealthy, quick fix ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jesus continually, in every one of those moments, doesn't condemn the longing ever. He redirects it. And the easiest way, one of the easiest um, ones to see that in his greatness, you know, the disciples are coming to him all the time. Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? Tell me who's the greatest in the kingdom. Is it me? You know, that's kind of the implication. Yeah. And he never responds with you know, you foolish people, or, you know, why are you asking such worldly questions? That's the wrong question. He gives them a very clear and direct answer, which to me honors the question saying you are, that's a legitimate question. 
a legitimate longing, I will tell you exactly who the greatest in the kingdom are. And he does. He, he picks up a child, says, anyone who becomes like this child is the greatest. He mentions servants and slaves to all. Anyone who becomes like a servant and slave, that they are the greatest. At one point, he says, the least in the kingdom of heaven, which would be the destitute, the poor, the downtrodden, they're greater than John the Baptist, who he does name as the greatest man who ever lived. So Jesus has a lot to say about greatness. He's clearly not against us understanding what makes somebody great and even encouraging us to pursue it. Uh, the, the desire is good. We just tend to chase it in a worldly way. Mm-hmm. And it will always leave us wanting, always. Uh, so it, those desires are important to understand and see how Jesus would intend for us to see them met and fulfilled. So those things, if they are fulfilled in the wrong way, they're going to leave us wanting. So talk about what fulfills those in the right way. Yeah. Well, let's take um, the desire to be seen as an example. I think this is such a a human, uh, it's it's such a human longing. You see it in children, right? Uh, Each one of us who's been a parent... (laughs) Mom, watch me. Look at this. I mean, how often is that happening? And you're like, don't avert your eyes because they'll catch it. They'll see you looking the other way. Mom, you didn't see. (laughs) It's just in them. They want to be seen. And we don't see that and go, gosh, that's their sinful nature coming out. No parent says that because we know it's a good desire. Mm -hmm. Um, In the garden, right? God created Adam and Eve and then it says he saw them. And it was good. Like God seeing them mattered for their flourishing. Um, if we, though, live for the eyes of others, which is what we tend to do, we tend to want to be seen by others. We want to do things that get us in front of other people, uh, whether it's on a stage or a big ministry or a bigger following or larger numbers of people. Even if we're the introvert, even if we're the shy one who doesn't want to be on the stage, we still walk into church and wonder who's paying attention to me. Does anyone see me? We want the eyes of others, but that will always leave us wanting um, because it's never enough. Ask the person with 100,000 followers. They're thinking about the person who has 200,000 followers. Ask the person with a million. They're thinking, you know, there's always, it's never enough. And so when Jesus is asked about this question of visibility being seen, he does the same thing. He says, don't live to be seen by the eyes of others. You see it in his Sermon on the Mount. Um, He'll say, go into your closet in secret and pray. Go in your giving, do it in secret. But he never just says that. He doesn't say, just do it in secret so no one knows. He says, go into your closet where your Father who is in heaven sees and will reward you. He actually is advocating living for an audience. No, I want you to go where the right person sees. And what's so wonderful about that is now uh, take, you know, the day that I had yesterday where most of my day was hidden before the eyes of others. There was very little that was postable (laughs) online, you know, it was, it was laundry and a sick kid and all of that. Um, I could feel very hidden in that. No one is seeing the hard labor that I'm doing. But now when I take Jesus's commendation, no, don't live for their eyes, live for God's eyes. And God sees in the secret places. He sees in the hidden places. He sees in your heart, that forgiveness you're giving your child, uh, that's yep. it happening in the, the secrecy of your own heart. He sees that, that prayer you prayed, that you know self-control you exercised in the privacy of your home. God sees all that. Now, it's not just a small fraction of my life that's seen, that I get to experience that sense of visibility and, and validation. It's every moment of my life. Everything I do is seen 
by the the right audience, by the one who cares, and by the one who actually has the ability to reward me for those actions. And that helps. You know, my husband would be on stages, and as I was wrestling through this, it was like, I'm in the hiddenness of the, the green room and backstage and sound booths and merch tables, and I just would carry that with me. God, you're watching me. Mm-hmm. You see me right now. There's a temptation being presented to me as I stand at this table while people just talk about how amazing somebody else is, my husband. And he is amazing. I, he's a godly man. I love him. But, you know, I'm, I'm feeling in that moment that temptation to grow into bitterness or self-centeredness, and I'm fighting it off. And I'm just remembering, God, you see in this moment the work I'm doing in my heart, and you say it matters to you. And just knowing I'm seen, gosh, I need to know that I'm seen. Yeah. Um, and it's such a reward to know that all of life is seen, not just a small fraction. So that's like just one example of how yep. we're meant to take that desire and, and redirect it in yeah. a better way. Yeah. Well, and even like, um, you know, okay, so that's to be seen to do great things. I mm-hmm. sometimes a great thing is to really listen to a child whose yes. heart is broken. And to make an impact might be to um, see a neighbor that desperately needs uh, somebody to um, encourage them and to achieve something unique. I mean, we're all created uniquely. So it's using those mm-hmm. gifts and talents in ways that that serve God, as you said, they are for mm-hmm. the audience of one. And that's mm-hmm. when it is enough. It's when we feel like it's, we're not enough when we're trying to to do that for the wrong audience. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll always, to try and fulfill those longings in the world's ways, will they will, they'll always leave us wanting. wanting. And if you want proof of it, look at the celebrities you follow. <laughs> They've yep. got all the things you want, most of them, right? They've accomplished in the worldly sense greater things than we have are seen by more people. They have a bigger impact. What they do affects more people. They seem like they're doing something so unique, breaking the mold. And yet it's not enough. They're all not happy by and large. Or Solomon in Ecclesiastes. I think this is why the book of Ecclesiastes is such a helpful wisdom book, a a book Mm -hmm. of wisdom, because he did, he climbed the mountain of accomplishment. We're all trying to climb. Yep. I mean, he did it all. More yep. than anybody. He's the, the wealthiest, the most famous, the, with the most pleasure and the most wisdom and the most everything. And he climbs the mountain and gets to the top and essentially looks around and says, oh, there's nothing here. There's nothing here. It's chasing the wind. It's vanity. There's nothing here that wasn't also at the bottom of the mountain. Like yeah. he essentially says, the best life has to offer is available to me up here on the top and those at the very bottom who have nothing. The very best life has to offer is God himself and the simple pleasures that God gave way back in the Garden of Eden, Eden. I have a place to live. I have work to do, and I have people to do it with. And you know what? Life doesn't get sweeter than that. And so that's meant to just help us know if we find ourselves trying to reach and climb and we feel that sense of, oh, if I could just get to the other season, if I could just get there, if I could just get across this hump, Solomon's standing on the other side of it saying, hey, there's nothing over here. The good that is in life is available to you today, right now. So don't believe the lie that it's coming in a new season when you accomplish that next thing, when you get to that next level. 
that's not going to satisfy. Uh, and that's meant to, it feels like a wet blanket, right? It feels like not good news, but it's actually meant to awaken us to the best news in the world to stop chasing one thing and say, no, it's all here right now. Yeah. Yeah. Stop striving. Uh, mm -hmm. Be content. Oh my goodness. Such a powerful message. Kelly, thank mm -hmm. you. This has been such a good conversation. Uh, for those of you that are listening, the title of her book is Purpose Fooled. Purpose Fooled. And that really helps you navigate the mundane, find contentment and deep satisfaction right where you are. Kelly, where's the best place for people to connect with you online? Obviously, neither you nor I are against social media. We just need to mm -hmm. uh, use it well in our lives, right? And be yes. aware of the effect it has. So where do people best connect with you online? Sure. You can actually go to jimmyandkelly.com, which is the website my husband and I now share all our resources around there, jimmyandkelly.com. And you'll find different ways that you can follow both of us or our podcast on social media, you know, Instagram, Facebook links are all there. So that'd be a great place to start. Yeah. All right. Well, we will make sure and put a link to Kelly's book as well as her website in the show notes. Uh, so you can check it out there and easily link over to her. Kelly, would you be willing to pray for uh, those that are listening? I would love that. Thank you. Lord God, what a gift that you don't despise the longings of our hearts, that you are God who uh, put those longings in us with a desire to see them fulfilled in yourself. And I just ask God for, for anyone listening that has that just deep ache in them, that they, they know they were made for more. They feel this desire for, for greatness or to achieve something or to leave a, an impact awake behind them. I pray, God, that they right now would feel seen and validated, that those are good longings. They really are. Um, but they're often misdirected. And in any way that our hearts have taken worldly wisdom to try and get those things fulfilled, would you give each person listening wisdom to discern that? Pray for courage and boldness for everyone listening to bring their honest thoughts to you, that they really would feel uh, the sense of freedom that your blood has purchased, that in the, the death and resurrection of Christ, you really have paid for all sin and therefore made a way for us to come with every honest inclination of our hearts, even if it is a little ugly. Um, you desire that. And so I pray for courage for listeners to come with, with every longing they have, every frustration, um, every fear, concern, and worry and to speak honestly with you and, and wait on you to speak to them. And uh, that they would even take my stories and encouragement that you do want to speak to them and you do want to encounter them and, and redirect them and satisfy those deep yeah. longings. God, you are so good and you want so much more for us than we want for ourselves. And so I pray that you would uh, just strengthen um, the truth of who you are in each listener, silence the lies of the enemy, and uh, accomplish all your good purposes in each person listening as they bring their whole heart to you and wait on you. We pray these Amen. things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. 
I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free eBooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.